<laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome in a thirsty Thursday for some finance news. Javier Haas, Elliot Lane here, here to chat about market sentiment. What are we thinking about Q3 results? We have two awesome guests here today to chat what they're up to as well uh, from Prodigy as well as from C21. Going to be a heck of a show. Stick around. Let's get started. Yep. All right, Javi, you know, man, uh, we actually recorded a really cool episode with uh, the president and CIO of Verano Holdings this morning, mm -hmm. touched on their Q3 earnings reports. We're going to release that, I believe, a little later today. Uh, so nice. keep an eye out on Benzina Pato channels. on camera. Uh, have me on camera? No, Pato's debut. Oh, Pato. Yeah, our new our new cannabis writer, Pato, got to join me in the interview with Verano. You'll see a lot more of him and some other amazing Benzinga faces uh, in our content moving into 2024. But Javi, I'll say something to you because you weren't with me. Um, you know, I think market sentiment is on the side of cannabis companies right now. Do I expect it to last? Eh. You know, if it's not really up to them, it's not up to me. But I it mean, does seem to be on the side of, of companies. I hope I hope it lasts for for sure. You know the the Ohio decision, which, which we'll be discussing in a second, definitely helped boost some cannabis stocks, especially those with you know the MSO, uh, you know the, the the ETFs, and then you know some of the the MSOs with operations in uh, Ohio, right? Um, I think some of the interesting places. So, okay, let's go back for a second, right? Landmark Set us up. Growth. Lay the groundwork. So Ohio decided <laughs> on, on November 7th on two uh, initiatives in the ballot box. One was to uh, enshrine abortion rights in, in the Constitution, ensuring safe and legal abortions in the state. The other one legalized adult use cannabis, recreational marijuana, whatever you want to call it. Way to go, Ohio. <laughs> and, you know, we've heard Buckeye a lot State. of go so does the nation i mean yeah in, in some senses but y'all they have some big markets ohio is similar to like you know where i am in north carolina um ohio has cincinnati cleveland columbus all major metropolitan areas um you know we spoke with actually on tuesday we got to speak with story cannabis and ascend wellness both of their ceos uh chatted with us and they both are established ohio operators Mm -hmm. uh, it was really interesting to see what they were expecting, uh, which both of them seemed relatively calm and optimistic about the result, and it looks like yeah. rightfully so. Uh, yeah. So you can go check on, on what that means for their businesses in particular. But I I'll raise you one, Javi. You know, with the – yeah, I'm not going to raise you one. I'm going to build on this is what I'm going to say. I wonder, with how they roll out Ohio, if it will have the same effect on companies as Maryland has had on companies over the past – what is it? Four months. Let's Maryland. Watch. I mean, I said this earlier today. The cannabis industry should be writing a friggin' love letter to Maryland right now. It's in every earnings headline right. if they have a position in Maryland. Very surprising, honestly. And here are a few other stocks beyond the ones you mentioned to play the Ohio move. We have Green Thumb Industries, GTBIF, Cresco Labs, CRLBF on the OTC, Terrasand. Yep. TSNDF and the cannabis company or, you know, cannabis company holdings, CBSTF. I forgot to change the ticker. In Ohio. 
Yeah, and then uh, BMMJ, I think they still have a production facility there, but I think they're more focused on Illinois. But I would, you know, it'd be interesting to see, do they go back in? Because, you know, I think some people, you know, gotten impatient with the Buckeye mm -hmm. State. However, I, I phenomenal move. out BMMJ, you know, uh, that's body and mind, right? Mm -hmm. um, the CEO, Michael, sent me a very nice heartfelt email when he saw my post about the new house. So, you know... That's how you build relationships. Not only well, we he's also like the nicest them. human being ever. So <laughs> if you if you want to just meet a good person in the cannabis space, call it Michael Mills, CEO of Body and Mind. Uh, there aren't many just more pleasant human beings than that. Right. Um, all that said, though, like BMMJ, you know, I think they are a very strategic company, and we're not here to talk about them specifically, but Ohio will have an effect on them. You know it in the same way it'll have an effect on these tier ones, but I'm really excited to see what standard wellness does. You know, I'm really excited to see what story cannabis does and how they compete for market share. Uh, Cause there are some really nice privately held companies that I think will, you know, will, will take market share from some of the bigger guys. Yeah. And I love it. All right. So we have, we have a ton of earnings uh, news that you can check on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Yeah. However, yeah, there's some there's some that you got to point out. And then we have two amazing guests. We have Sammy Armenia uh, from C21 Investments, really, really strong uh, and uh, just emphatically successful Nevada operator. Uh, mm -hmm. And he may have a point to talk about uh, the Planet 13 headline that I do think we should cover before we hop off. And then Mark Beginnen, uh, CEO of Prodigy USA. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I want to talk to him about M&A because he... I think had one of the stronger ancillary M&A plays in the space in recent memory, uh, but also he's doing some cool things there. So we have two awesome guests. However, Javier, Planet 13, not as strong as some of the other ones. However, market no. share is insanely good. Market share is insanely good. Sales are very slightly down 3.3% year over year. It's not what we want to see, but at the same time, you know, I do get that that last year they did benefit from a post-pandemic boom in, 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 in you know Vegas visitors. Uh, but overall it was it was pretty good. you know, gross profit um, was higher. So even though they sold less, they made a larger profit. Um, it's, uh, adjusted EBITDA was okay, substantially down, but overall, I, I think it was a decent report. Good. I mean, they're down over four and a half percent right now in the market. Um, I think that's the comparison sentiment right there. You know, you look at some of these other operators that are having a really phenomenal Q3 report. It's it's hard to match up, you know, if you're one of the oddballs out in terms of the major stocks uh, that are playing. What else is on your mind before we hop to our guests, Javi? Not really. Just go to Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all the earnings. One Benzinga exclusive from today. Snoop Dogg's Dog Labs or LBS Dog Pounds, I think it would be, goes global with Aspire and Hempaco in North America. So Aspire Technology, ISPR uh, on the NASDAQ, has a subsidiary called Aspire North America. And they entered a partnership with Hempaco to distribute uh, a product, Snoop Dogg's products and, you know, cannabinoid and nicotine vapor products um i think it's globally right so very cool I mean, stuff you know you can read the, the entire story on benzinga.com slash cannabis benzinga exclusive after the show and i mean what what was it you said he has a guy that he has a guy he has a guy in every country javier uh, javier will eventually be his guy in argentina 
Except for North Korea and South Korea. Except for the Koreas. Except for the Koreas. Um, All right, Javi. Always a pleasure. Make sure to stay tuned to this channel and Benzinga for our Verano interview coming out a little bit later this afternoon. But with that said, let's jump. Bring on uh, the VP of Corporate Development, Sammy Armenia from C21 Investments. Sammy, first time, man. Welcome on to the Cannabis Show. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. It is a tumultuous time in the markets. It's been a heck of a year for the cannabis space, man. Lay it out for us. Give us what C21 is doing and how you all are doing pretty well for all things considered. Relatively speaking, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, I think the last time you had a C21 uh, uh, management team member was probably uh, Javier. I think you had Sky Pinnock back in the day who used to be on our board from Oregon, right? When we used to be an Oregon operator. It's been a long time. So there's a lot to cover and, you know, there's no point in rehashing the last four years. But, um, <laughs> you know, we we took a different path than probably, uh, well, certainly than the, the bigger operators in the space, but even the smaller operators. Um, we really focused on uh, driving to a better place with balance sheet. We kind of uh, saw the writing on the wall uh, with, you know, capital exiting the space and just how difficult it was going to be if you weren't a self-sustaining operator. Um, Samu, we may have lost you, my guy. You know, we have some accomplishments that nobody, uh, we're the only public. Got me back? Uh, yeah, let's, try let's try the, the little thumbnail. Let's go off camera. Uh, anyway, I don't know why we have an issue on this one. No worries. Jesse Benton in the chat. Yeah. Looking forward to that consumption lounge. Planet 13 is opening up next April. Definitely want to talk about consumption lounges. That's for sure uh, a topic. But um, long-term viability is definitely something that's being discussed a lot uh, for for those. I, I, I love the, the idea, right? Like, you know, if alcohol companies didn't have bars they would definitely make a lot less money. So, you know, people sometimes like to go to, to a specific space to do something versus doing it at home, right? Same as you go to the cinema, right? Even when you have Netflix. Yeah, that's fair, man. That is fair. Um, y'all, if you're if you're watching live, drop it. What's up in the chat? Tell us where you're from. Uh, you know, tell us about your company. Sam, are you back with us there, man? Uh, can you hear me? There we yeah. go. There we go. How's that? How it's good. It's good. We may need to turn your camera off to see if that works better, but we'll try this for now. Okay, let's try one more time. Uh, apologies, guys. So I'm. I don't know where I cut out, but uh, just to give a quick synopsis of where we've been and where we think we're going, um, we were essentially one of the little guys, uh, you know, who's been cash flow positive in this industry for a long time. We've actually reported 17 straight quarters of positive free cash flow. Wow, that leads the that leaves public can that leads the public cannabis uh, industry, and it gave us the ability to thirty million dollars. 
All right, Sammy. Um, yeah, let's try no camera. AT. That's the way to go. Uh, producer Aaron Thomas. If you all don't know producer Aaron Thomas, Aaron Thomas, let's do this. How about you drop Mark or drop Sammy backstage? Let's bring Mark up. Uh, connect with Mark on what Prodigy is doing, and then perhaps we can bring Sammy back over uh, and see if his internet is any better. Internet sucks these days. <laughs> Mark, welcome in, man. How are you? CEO of Prodigy <laughs> Processing Solutions. Uh, that was a sucker guys? punch. It's like, okay, now you're on. All right. How you guys doing? Oh, we're good, man. Glad to have you on. Um, seriously, though. Mark, we've known about your expertise in the processing space in this industry forever. I think this is our first time having you on. Uh, so give us a little background. You know, how'd you get in the cannabis space? Well, I've been processing the cannabis plant. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate that. Um, okay, before uh, the cannabis industry, my prior life uh, attorney, right? So uh, I was an attorney in Michigan. Um, um, since 2003, Michigan went uh, legal with, at least medically legal with cannabis in 2008. Um, and like a lot of attorneys at the time, we didn't want to touch it. I mean, I realized that, you know, as an attorney, I could represent people, but I didn't want to get involved in the business because uh, I like my law license and I was very concerned at the time, <laughs> you know, where things are going. Am I going to be you know, charged with a federal crime, lose my law license? So flash forward to about 2012, 2013, I started making inroads uh, with, with actually clients. And then uh, um, I had a guy that knew about everything about cannabis. And I didn't know, you know, really a, a lot about all of that. We started doing some consulting work and eventually he's, you know, brought up, uh, you know, extraction. Hey, you want to get a, you know, you want to start an extraction equipment business? And I said, absolutely, let's do it. And then uh, it's like, what's extraction? So I had, <laughs> I just knew our opportunities launched uh, uh, precision extraction solutions officially in very early December of 2014. Um, we had like really the first, you know, sort of uh, marketed one size fits all closed loop system safe um you know with, with uh you know for hydrocarbon butane propane at that that time and we did a million dollars in revenue in our first uh, uh 90 days wow um you know, mind you the whole company was started with forty five thousand dollars, right by the 2019 we did 40 million dollars in revenue that's how fast we wow. so um what? yeah yeah, we just grew like wildfire. And um, it was, yeah, in 2019, um, we got uh, investment from a VC firm. Uh, uh, it was uh, Canopy, um, oh, not Canopy Growth. It was a bit low Canopy Growth, Canopy. Uh, uh, Rivers. Rivers, thank you. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> that was in February of 2019. We used the money and then continued to grow. And, um, you know, 2020 was a disaster. It was just, you know, uh, not a story of success, but a story of survival. We made it through. Um, we had, well, we almost, yeah, in early 2020, um, a, a publicly traded company came to us to acquire us. It was $80 million cash. 
So it was February 24th of 2020. We signed um, the LOI term sheet for that. Um, and remember at that point, it was just our company. And then, you know, we had Canopy Rivers as a partner. Um, and yeah, $80 million cash, February 24th, uh, 2020, um, life is good. Yeah. Uh, so March 13th, COVID hit. Yeah. A lot happened. Yep. <laughs> and oh my God, what a mess. Um, so, you know, we got through all that and then, you know, flash forward to, uh, 2021, uh, we were, Precision was the largest, you know, we weren't just the largest, you know, extraction equipment company, uh, you know, in the scene, in the world. I mean, there, you know, there's only so much commercial stuff going on in this industry, you know, uh, worldwide, but um, we were the largest distributor for every single ancillary product. So from, you know, vacuum ovens to temperature control devices and <laughs> distillation units, post-processing, everything. Um, so at that point, the second biggest company was Cascade Sciences, and they mostly sold, um, they're, they're really mostly known for their vacuum ovens. Mm -hmm. So we ended up um, it, engaging our own M&A strategy, right? Um, we needed to be bigger, even bigger than we were in order mm -hmm. to catch the attention of Wall Street. So it was in late June, early July of uh, 2021 that we merged with cascade formed a, a you know a new uh company with the merger and it it worked it wasn't you know a month later agrify came knocking on our door um you know ultimately that ended up uh, being the acquisition mm -hmm. and i should note the only reason we're talking right now um okay founder largest shareholder ceo precision and the merge companies right um I was outvoted. I did not want to do this transaction um, at all. I have no interest in it. We can get into those details. You want to know why? But um, the thing is, is, our operating agreement had this little clause um, called the drag along clause. So if somebody's dragging along through a transaction, they get certain rights. And any operating agreement says lots of stuff. Ours said no non compete. So you think it would have been done, right? So pretty much, you know, it killed the deal. And I'm like, okay, well, just give me cash. You know, just, I don't want, it, one reason I didn't want to do the deal was it was a 60, 40 cash stock deal. I, I didn't want the stock. Good for uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be like emphatic about that no, or pessimistic, but good for you. Oh, I well, love that, I mean, but I'll take cash over stock any day, dude. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just, I mean, there would have been a different situation where I, I may have believed in it, right? I just, it just wasn't right. I, I just didn't, you know, I just didn't like the way that the people were treated on that side. And, and when it comes to business, mm. it's always about people. Mm. It always comes down to people, whether okay. or not it's employees, customers, suppliers, people matter. Nothing gets done without people. I saw a big problem there. Um, at one point I said, I don't want you, you're trying to talk me into it. I said, you know, I don't want your, uh, stock. I don't view it as valid currency. I'd rather have Dogecoin and that, <laughs> yeah, that pretty much set things off on a really bad note there. So, um, then yeah, I offered them just, you know, Hey, you know, give me cash plus some, 
right? Because mm-hmm. I realized, okay, I'm in this position. They can't do the deal. And they really wanted to do there. They're moving so fast through this. Like our attorneys made a sign, you know, CYA, you know, I don't know if you to cover your ass letters, right? That absolve them of all responsibility because of the speed of this transaction, that they won't be held liable for things that go wrong. I'm a lawyer and I have to sign this thing. So, um, they did it. They just did it. And I, not only do I not have a non-compete, I, I have no restrictive covenants, like none. So like, that's why I can talk about it. Like just, yeah. ask, you know, ask Mark anything about this thing. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I was overnight, October 1st, 2021. I was cash rich job poor. Um, mm-hmm. after some soul searching, uh, you know, started uh, uh, Prodigy Processing Solutions um, in January of 2022, and literally it was a year of putting putting the band back together and and the technology and and all the pieces and parts. Uh, as part of that, I attempted a hostile takeover of Agrify um, in October of 20 to the very late right right before and it went public you have to file this form 13d you guys actually wrote about it um benzinga did a very nice article thank you um and it was it came out one week before the mj bizcon show in vegas um where we didn't have a display but we brought our prototype unit into a penthouse um a hotel room at the aria you know suites and wait like a, a big one like a oh. big one of the huge ones yeah, uh, like, luckily the ceilings were really high, and so we brought this whole big unit, the Pro X uh, prototype, and then we invited everybody to come in from the show, and pretty much it was you know three days of of entertaining in there. We walked the show all logoed up, but but it was literally like the the week before nobody knew who we were, and then everybody knew who we were. So um, it's been an interesting ride. So you know. Let, let me ask you a question here. You know, what, one of the things that you claim is that your, your work speed processing machine is the most advanced cannabis si- uh, extraction system in the world. What yeah. does that mean? That means, okay, when we say it was designed by professionals, for professionals, it really is designed by operators, right? Um, one of the issues that I recognize, you know, and mind you, Prodigy is, has the benefit of eight years of lessons learned with a fresh mm-hmm. slate and a lot of money. Thank you, Agrify. Um, so <laughs> we really can put a, like a ton of attention and, and funds and resources to the technology. But in the past, when you let engineers have a run at it, right? It's sort of like, you know, um, engineers for a NASCAR, like doing all the design, but not talking to the race car driver, right? So this was engineered for speed and volume right and it's faster 75 percent faster than any competitive unit right um and there's lots of reasons for that in terms of like the sizing the flow you know where things go the the, the solvent to biomass ratio it it, it it recovers uh solvent passively this may not mean a lot to your readers passive is without a gas compressor active is with a gas compressor um, but it recovers 
passively at 7.5 pounds a minute, um, which is blows the doors off anything and actively over, you know, and and that's, that's the low ratio over 12 and a half pounds a minute actively. The, the one really unique thing about this thing, nobody else has this, this is rated to operate at negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Now you won't, operate that cold but you're going to operate at negative 100 degrees fahrenheit maybe a little more and yeah you don't want that winter station going on yeah, yeah. Like so cold it burns <laughs> oh yeah no no yeah so it's rated that that low um but you wouldn't operate that low but you'd operate lower than anybody else can operate at what they're rated for right so but what that does is eliminates winterization because it's operating so cold it automatically separates the fats and lipids all right, when, that's winterization, what you're doing. So winterization takes 12 to 24 hours of post-processing. That's done with us, right? So it, it for lots of reasons, it's way more efficient. Now, in order to go that cold, you have to do 316L stainless steel. Most of our competitors are using 304, right? You can't get rated that cold. It just won't handle it, right? 316L stainless steel is not only, you know, can you do that, but it's also uh, pharmaceutical grade. So we're ready for pharma, right? We know. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it's safer because once it, the whole industry is looking at um, really operator safety, like when it comes to, um, you know, uh, like the local, um, you know, authority, authority having jurisdiction, whether it's a fire marshal or somebody else uses a fire marshal. But for operator safety, is this thing going to blow up? Is it safe? You know, um, and there's there there's legislation about the, the final product being tested for pesticides for you know um, you know. Mark, let me let me jump in here. Let me finish one thing though. No, no seriously, this is actually a big thing, right? There's those tests out there, but there's nobody looking locally at this because it's not FDA regulated, right? So the only local uh, authority department that is looking at consumer safety, that is uh, the local health department. And they're doing the family restaurant, Taco Bell, making sure people are wearing, Mm -hmm. you know, nets and things. And they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they're not looking there. When this goes federally legal, whether or not it's Schedule Three or off or whatever it goes, you're going to have FDA regulating this, right? And metal matters, right? Because if you get metal leaching, right, you got a problem, right? Ours yeah. doesn't do it because not only is it 316 L steel, it's made in the USA. And I know from experience, like most of the stuff that's out there is the the the, the they'll say it's 304 but I call it Chinesium. <laughs> you have no idea. So everything that our competitors were doing wrong, what, what we did wrong in, with past company has been fixed, right? So we have operator safety, consumer safety. We have ROI, you know, speed, the, 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 fa- the fastest ROI in the industry. So people are going to need to switch. And so well, we're ready for them. Just to give a quick sum, you know, summation of this conversation. I mean, you had an incredibly successful company in Precision. You know, it ended up being acquired uh, by another large player in the space that you know is just you know expanding their services. We'll say, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, but then you create Prodigy um, and, and really fix the issues that that were probably your your biggest obstacles at the previous company. That was the largest of uh, that type of company in the space. So it's really awesome how you've built on the expertise uh, from your first company and <laughs> just jumped right off, right back in where you left off. I do have one last question before we close up, though. It's a rinse repeat. Um, it's like when Mike, yeah. I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, but when he played, you know, minor league baseball for a year, it's like, dude, you're a champion. Go do what you know what you're doing, right? So what am I going to Of course I'm going to do this. This is <laughs> – it's fun. It's great. I love the industry. I love the people. And it's 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 only getting better. So yeah. Well, and then sentiment wise, right? You know, one thing I've seen really over the last couple months is I, I feel like sentiment toward the manufacturing and processing space is starting to improve pretty dramatically um, in, in terms of people seeking out quality manufacturers uh, and manufacturer partners. So it, it, I'm just interested in in your thought, in your perspective. There, do you see um, more demand? you know, for solid manufacturers? Do you see manufacturers with needing more um, supply? Um, you know, wh where do you sit in that space? And what do you think the manufacturing space is going to look like in, over the next year? When you say manufacturing, are you talking about like processors? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The processors. Yeah. They need, they need, um, they go down for a day. I mean, they're, they could be potentially be losing hundreds of thousands, not millions of dollars, depending on their operation um the size of it so um not only you know do they need um equipment that is reliable they need equipment um that provides the right roi so we have customers now i mean they were operating three shifts you know a day for seven days a week use the pro x you're down to one shift five days a week right you can actually sleep, right? Um, and that lowers all their operational costs. So they're looking at the more sophisticated the industry becomes, the the there's more of a shakeout, right? Where if you can't compete, you're gone. You know, I mean, there's a lot of in the industry. Oh, it's so horrible. The prices are so low. Well, because there was a shakeout because the people couldn't compete. Um, with other companies, so they're gone, and now it's happening everywhere. It happened in Michigan, it's happened in Oklahoma. I mean, I'm not going to talk about California. It's their regulations and laws ruin everything, um, so it's hard to really gauge that. Um, but as they become, uh, you know, more sophisticated, they're looking for better um, products. I mean, our equipment or any reasonable size, uh, you know, lab um, that that's you're buying equipment that costs as much as a, a really big nice house a yeah. ferrari maybe three ferraris depending how big your operation is you need to know you're buying the right thing and the company you're working with is going to be around in five years mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be there to support you um you know god forbid if something goes down you, you're there for them you have supply you have the the part that they need to get up and running because if you don't have that they could be down for a, you know a week uh, yeah. more, and that's that's you know, time is money and, and you're just giving the, the competitor an opportunity to, to eat your lunch at that point. Yeah. Well, Mark, we got to wrap up, man, but it's been really nice catching up with you, dude. I mean, what an interesting story and path in this industry. Appreciate oh, your time. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. Yeah. yeah. Glad to have you, man. Let's get you an update yeah, soon. Uh, we hope to see you in person at our next event. Uh, but until then, man, keep kicking butt.
appreciate that, guys. Thanks so much. Insane Thanks. story, dude. Honestly. <laughs> What'd you say? Insane story. What a treat, man. I mean, truly. Like, we don't get stories like that often. Um, <laughs> you know, so thank you for Mark for being so transparent there. Um, oh. That said, we're going to try Sammy again. Uh, we're going to talk to, was it CXXI? Is that, that's the ticket, yes. right? CSSI? C21 Investments. Let's bring him over. C21. C21. Right, What's guys. up, Sammy? I've relocated. Let's hope that uh, that was just a glitch. I've never had it happen before, so apologies. All so good. My first question to you is, is C21 a reference to Rick and Morty or something like that? <laughs> no, it's the amount of carbon. It's the original management named the company. Current management, we all <laughs> wish we had a different name. Um, but okay. yeah, it's a reference <laughs> to the 21 carbons in cannabis or something carbon molecules in cannabis or something, but I think it went over everybody's head, including uh, our existing management. So uh, it <laughs> is a rebrand on the horizon. <laughs> uh, you don't want to rebrand uh, just to rebrand. It looks like you're, you know, that's fair. So, um, you know, to be, to be, uh, to be seen in the future, uh, if there's a right opportunity for that, but now, uh, let's pick up where we left off. You were telling please. us that you've been profitable for 17 or you've been, Crash flow generating for 17 straight quarters. Best of public companies. Free cash flow generating. For free cash flow generating. 17 straight quarters. Yeah. Um, you're going to get into a little bit more, but maybe you can pick up from there. Yeah. So, I mean, that afforded us the ability to uh, really fix our balance sheet. Paid off our <clears throat> 30 million senior note uh, as of June 1st this year. Uh, it'll, it afforded us the opportunity to buy back... Um, we bought 4% of our fully diluted stock in February, uh, basically bought back the earnout shares uh, that were due to uh, previous vendors from Oregon. So, you know, it's, it's really allowed us some flexibility for making sure that uh, we are doing everything we can to uh, build value for our shareholders. Um, you know, the big question has always been on us is, you know, how are you guys going to grow? What's next? You know, and, if you think of the kind of go-go area of 2018 to 2021, when everybody was just planting flags, chasing growth, uh, we'll figure it out later, right? I mean, that's really how a lot of these companies got themselves into the over-leveraged kind of uh, situation that we find, especially with a lot of the tier twos, um, where they were, you know, some of the tier twos were essentially tier threes four or five years ago and had access to leverage and they kind of, you know, overextended themselves. And during the market, during the good good old days of the market, up into twenty one, it seemed like a smart path to chase chase the growth. But with hindsight, you know, you see everybody kind of uh, redefining their approach on uh, on the space. And I mean, I think we saw Kim Rivers at uh, True Leave. She bought, she retired uh, some senior debt yesterday. I think one hundred thirty million. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, Jason Wilde at TerraSend. He did a lot of balance sheet cleanup this year. We're kind of already past that. So, you know, we we started that process four years ago. We paid off 30 million. Our market cap's only 26, 27 million. So we essentially paid more debt than we're, you know, our current market cap. And we haven't issued a share of this company since current management has been in place July, 2019 other than uh, any legacy stuff that was left from uh, previous management. But our current CEO, Sunny Newman, has not issued a share. That's how you know careful we are of a cap table, um, 
how much we focus on, you know, uh, the shareholder first. Um, that being said, everybody wants to know, okay, now you, you're past the big weight, right? Uh, you know, what's next for the company? So we're con, you know, uh, for, for the past couple of years, we're constantly, um, assessing every opportunity in the market, uh, whether it's smaller tuck-in stuff or, you know, bigger strategic kind of merger, uh, opportunities. Ultimately, you know, uh, Bruce McDonald, our chairman, who's, you know, uh, extensive capital markets background, probably the biggest in the entire industry, uh, 38 years at RBC, head of capital markets. Um, you know, we're blessed to have him on our team and him and I work every single day, um, assessing every opportunity through the lens of, is it going to build value? And, you know, we were close a number of times, especially when everybody had a much higher currency, you know, at one point we were trading at 250 million market cap in February, 2021. You want to do things when you have that. That being said, anybody that did, you know, M&A at that time, that became a, you know, an impairment, a write down some within 12 months uh, when the bottom fell out of the industry, right? So um, we're probably fortunate that we never got to the finish line on some of the stuff we were working on. Um, and right now, with these depressed valuations in the industry, especially uh, depressed valuations of privates, we you know we see a creative uh, opportunity for us. I think we take two paths. One is we built out in Nevada. We built out a second uh, stage of our cultivation, yeah, yeah. which we Not currently that. wholesale. So we, we added twenty thousand feet uh, a year, year and a half ago, and we currently wholesale it. Ultimately, the the you know finding a retail home for that excess flower capacity is where we drive our margin, um, you know, in our two high volume stores that we have, um, you know, we do 28 million in, in, uh, in the past 12 months, 29 million. So, you know, we're averaging about 14 million per store. It's very high run rate, 500,000 transactions. Uh, we sell 50, 60% of, uh, in-house, uh, we offer 700 SKUs. I mean, we have a really well-oiled machine. Um, and it's been that way. Sunny was the first licensed operator in Nevada. Uh, Silver State Relief was the first uh, licensed operator in Nevada. So our goal now is to kind of expand what works really well in Nevada to, to you know, uh, have that throughput of our excess capacity uh, to expand our retail footprint. And then we're always in constant conversations about the bigger kind of strategic M&A that can happen with other publics, with privates. Um, and yeah, we're not allergic to looking outside of Nevada for sure. In that, in that world, we would, you know, uh, there's, I, as you guys know, and I think you talked, talked about it the off the hop, right. There, there are a lot of new, uh, adult use markets that, uh, are, you know, pretty strong growth opportunities right now. So you're definitely going to want to have conversations about all of those, um, Obviously, with you, I think you guys were talking about Ohio before I fell off. Um, you know, Ohio went rec. Remains to be seen if the GOP kind of state legislator uh, legislature blocks that. But you know, in in due time, uh, Ohio is going to be a great market. Uh, Missouri's been a great market, although none of the pubcos are really there. Um, it's it's been an excellent market. Uh, Maryland obviously has. We're starting to see the fruits of Maryland in the Q3 numbers that have been reported this week. 
where you know big beats with GTI, with uh, Ascend, with Verano. So there's, but you know that being said, you know there's the businesses and there's the stocks, and I know a lot of the chatter on Twitter where you know I am often and having conversations with people about the space. Um, I think people have a difficult time, you know, breaking the, you know, the business isn't the stock, uh, that this industry has been so beaten up over the last 33 months, you know, basically down 80, 80 to 90% most companies, uh, from the highs. Look, some of that is self-inflicted. A lot of companies made mistakes. A lot of companies over leveraged their balance sheets. Uh, estimates were far too aggressive back in 21. Uh, a lot of companies came, you know, came nowhere close. Um, I know you guys were talking about Planet 13. If you think of where Planet 13 was in 21 with their expansion plans and the numbers that were being projected for them and where they are right now, it's dramatic, right? And at that time, they had $140 million in, in, uh, in cash in the bank because they took advantage of you know, really strong stock. Um, and then they made some mistakes, right? They they had to buy Florida twice. Uh, they just, I think, they just impaired that license um, yesterday with their Q3 results, which was the big 46 million net loss. So you know, and, and I'm not picking on Planet because every single company in the industry has made mistakes. Um, and you know, there's been a real reset to focusing on you know, driving efficiencies, making sure these op operations are self-sustaining, uh, not extending, you know, beyond, uh, you know, what you can afford, uh, especially with the capital markets, you know, so dried up in the, in the space. Nobody wants to use their, their stock uh, at these depressed levels. Most companies feel and believe that they're, you know, undervalued here. Um, Valuations are a really tricky thing in this industry because there are so many unknowns about reform, <laughs> timing of reform. So what multiple are you supposed to apply to, you know? Um, I talk a lot about market mechanics. I did last week uh, with the Dales Report guys. You know, the ETF is a, is a big board ETF on the New York Stock Exchange, has the notional volume it trades daily, far exceeds the entire basket combined. Far exceeds it. So... It's a reverse ETF in a lot of ways because you know that is where the capital is going, and the the underlyings in the in the ETF are all very illiquid, and so there's a tremendous arbitrage that's happening that the market makers are constantly buying and or selling depending on which direction the ETF is going. Uh, the underlying stocks we happen to be one of the uh, one, you know the smallest guy, the only tier three in that kind of tracking of the ETF, so. You know what is the right valuation for for a company when most of its flows have nothing to do they're not fundamental trades at all um, yeah. and that's not just us the the tier ones are the same most people don't rec recognize or realize it but gti is 25 percent of the etf so it's seeing 25 percent of that arbitrage flow and on top of that then there's an algo you know on the canadian markets that really amplifies all of this um it's you know, some people call it predatory. The junior miners in Canada call it a predatory algo because it, it's been killing that industry for a long time. Um, but it's essentially an active short algo uh, because it's easier to push these com yeah, liquid companies down. And so you're constantly battling all these market mechanics, uh, you know, dynamics. Uh, and as we see with GTI today, you can have a massive beat, but there's no fundamental bid in these stocks. And so, 
you know, shouldn't, just, shouldn't it be rated? Yeah. Yeah. It goes to show you that, I mean, people are trading on market sentiment. No, the, I think <laughs> you know, the point is, is that nobody's trading. Yeah. Like fundam fundamentally, fundamentally, there's very few uh, buyers and se sellers in these stocks. These stocks are being kind of whipped around based on uh, an industry that has, you know, no compl uh, no custody, right? I mean, 2021, the run in 2021, we had far more custody uh, with the big institutions than we do now. You know, Wasich was the first big headline, uh, you know, fund in the cannabis space that got tapped out in 21, but there's been many since. And when you don't have that kind of institutional capital to underpin the bid on these stocks, you know, you can have a, a few retail guys that get fed up and it really, you know, can really impact the, your stock. Um, you could have some manipulation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of dialogue, uh, especially on Twitter, about whether or not these, these stocks are manipulated, uh, whether or not the ETFs manipulated. I think the ETF is just a representation of its 20 underlyings. And the 20 underlyings, uh, plant touching underlyings, the 20 underlyings don't have a bid. We don't have an incremental bid. We won't have an incremental bid until, uh, you know, reform changes the game. And there's really two aspects of where reform, where we're headed with reform. Obviously, beaten to death, safe banking, right? Um, but it's really necessary. Uh, safe banking may not afford uplisting for these companies, but it will trigger a FinCEN guidance update, um, you know, safe harbor for capital markets is something th these companies all need and we don't have it. Then there's also the, you know, the dynamic where 80% of the industry is still cash. And now we're seeing with Possibit and a lot of these third party uh, debit pin providers in the industry, they're getting, you know, denied, we used to have pretty high success uh, rates, acceptance rates. Uh, and possibly put out a news release last uh, last month that said their 90 90% acceptance rate had dropped to 30%. Uh, so a lot a lot of customers in this industry are being forced back to cash um, with the dynamics the way they are. Uh, we've seen with the credit card companies, Mastercard, Visa before them. You know, Mastercard is actually lobbying for safe banking. So, but Mastercard also put out you know notice that they don't want. Uh, debit uh, provided in in you know cannabis dispensaries. Uh, so there's so many hurdles and challenges on you know operating these businesses with two hands tied behind your back. The two biggest, most punitive kind of uh, costs to this industry are 280 and the double digit cost of capital, very high cost of capital. And you're you're just up against it every day trying to navigate those massive costs. Uh, we saw, I think we saw truly announced, or maybe it was on the earnings uh, call, which I haven't listened to yet, that you know they're, they're not gonna pay their 280E anymore. At least I saw some people commenting, talking about that on, um, on Twitter today. That is an interesting uh, strategy here. You know, maybe it's they have some intel that you know, schedule threes around the corner, um, they're, Kind of caught up on their taxes. Uh, GTI has always been uh, up to date on their taxes as well. But then we've seen the strategy of other companies ascend a lot of uh, sends cash flow um, in their you know strong uh, report this week. But a lot of it was tax uh, cruel, right? They didn't pay their taxes. 
and uh, you know Verano as well. So, just how you deal with the the big tax issue in this industry, and how is it going to shake out when when Schedule Three inevitably comes, or at least we hope inevitably comes, and it could come at, at any time. Um, is there going to be any retroactive uh, ability to apply, you know, um, normal business expenses with a with a with a you know uh, a lens backwards, or is it going to be some you know future date is the start? So it's yeah, it's such a challenging industry. That being said, there's you know we saw really positive results this week from a lot of companies. These yeah. companies are finding a way. You know, to self-sustain, we're seeing far more cash uh, generators in the industry now because everybody cleaned up or at least attempted to clean up, you know, where they were inefficient, where they were overextended. We saw a lot of the big guys, you know, sell states and assets that, you know, were hurting them. And everybody's focused on, you know, trying to get to the other side and the other side being, you know, reform. And, uh, and you know, I'm going to do this. I did it. Two years ago with GTI's numbers, I'll do it again, where I compared GTI in a 280 world versus a, um, you know, uh, the, the ability to, to expense normal operating business expenses. And, you know, it's dramatic for a big company like them. You're talking about 10% of their revenue is going to drop to the bottom line. They're already a tr tremendous cash generator. I think they're up to 150 million in the nine months uh, year to date. You know, add another yeah, 100 million. Man. And what can a company like GTI do? What's it, how's it going to translate to the valuation of the business? How much more can they, you know, do focus on CapEx and M&A and expanding their business when they have access A to, uh, you know, that all that capital that's currently going to the government and ultimately when these companies have a currency again and can really start to get aggressive uh, with growth. So I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with how, the majority of this industry has navigated, you know, really difficult 24 to 36 months. Um, you know, we've, we've taken a really interesting approach because we decided to clean everything up. And now we're one of the few that's really, you know, at least, you know, if you look at our Q2, you know, we, we stated we're aggressively, you know, searching for that growth now. Uh, because we can, we kind of did things backwards. <laughs> yeah, well, it shows, you know, it shows, man. And we are... Um, running up against the, our time here, man. But with that said, give us a little bit of what we can expect from C21 uh, into the end of the year. Yeah, near term. I mean, Nevada has been a pretty stable market um, over the last six, 12 months. So it's, it, it tends to be more of the same uh, in that regard with where we are right now. Our Q3 just ended last week because we're on January 31st uh, year end. So we're a little off offset from everybody else. But moving forward, near term, our focus is entirely on expanding our retail footprint in the state and, you know, continuing to have conversations, uh, you know, in a in more uh, long term vision about, you know, uh, growing this company uh, with really accretive, um, right sized, you know, right minded uh, partners and, you know, that we're, we're in a really good position. I think we feel really good about um we don't feel good about where our stock is of course uh but we feel good about you know how we position ourselves if we get reform obviously that's going to expedite a lot of stuff for most of these companies i think uh you know we've seen with the 
fake head starts uh, when we 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 think reforms coming, how quickly these stocks kind of get uh, re-rated. So there's obviously a lot more you can do if your valuation is two, three, four times higher than it is, right? Um, and so I think like Jason Wilde says, you cannot operate in this industry like reform is coming. You have to operate mm -hmm. your business like we're not getting it. Exactly. And I think we've done a really good job of that. Um, and then when it does come, whenever that time comes, you have to be ready to, you know, be nimble and pivot. Well, Sammy, uh, it's a pleasure hearing about you, man, and pleasure uh, to get your insights. You know, as El Guapo Throne 4000 says, one of the few people he has alerts turned on for on X. Um, so keep up the good work, man. We'll get your insights again soon. Maybe an outlook yeah. for 2024. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll need it, man. But um, well, here's the hope and we see something soon. <laughs> oh, all good, perfect. man. We're glad we got you on. Awesome. Thanks, out. guys. Look forward to chatting yeah. in the future. Thanks, Sammy. Talk yeah. soon, man. All right, Javi, we are up against it, man. We got to go. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in. El Guapo Trone sticking around to the end time here. Appreciate you. Woo. Jesse, if you're still on, appreciate you as well. Uh, we are not doing shows for the rest of November. Huh. That's perfect. Yeah, I, this is it. I'm going to Chile next week for the Expo Week. So if anyone watching is going there, hit me up. I'll be doing a little panel on Thursday. I'll be sharing that on my socials and link up with Elliot at MJ BizCon in Vegas. Do I'll be there, baby. Or I'll be square, but I'll be there. Um, Javi, love you, brother. You and I will do this again in December. We'll see you sooner than that. Everybody else, appreciate you supporting us. Share with your friends. Uh, we will see you guys again uh, in winter season. <laughs> That's it from us, y'all. We'll see you later. Peace. Happy birthday, huh?